0: Prime Time with Sean Mooney is brought to you by Ting Mobile, the best mobile you've never heard of. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Prime Time with Sean Mooney. Uh, did you enjoy the Ken Shamrock episode? I definitely did. And I have to tell you, uh, going in, I really did not know what to expect. Because I, I'd never met him before, uh, he didn't spend a, a lot of time in the WWE. But man, what a fascinating guy! And another example of somebody who, you know, really comes from nothing. I was in several foster homes growing up, and then he goes on to become uh, one of the greatest fighters in MMA. Uh, really lived through it all when it was uh, basically street fighting in the ring. You know, the very beginning when they couldn't uh, get you know these events sanctioned because it was uh, just so brutal and then of course on the ground floor of the ufc then going on to the wwe during that incredible time the attitude era and then he goes back to mma uh he ends up uh he's one of the first ever ufc hall of fame inductees uh just an incredible guy and still going uh, he was tough to catch up to we had to do that episode in a, a couple of uh, versions but uh i really enjoyed it and um you know, I, I, I would like to get your take on the conversation because, um, you know, uh, we, of course, are going to continue to get superstars and other people that were involved in the uh, you know 80s and 90s, the golden era of professional wrestling. But I like uh, getting people from, maybe, you know, other periods of time and also with uh, very different perspectives on the business. And uh, so I'd like to open it up a little bit more because there's some guys I'd really like to get on uh, the podcast who may not have necessarily uh, you know, been involved with the WWE or the world of professional wrestling during that period of time. You know, people like Justin Roberts, who certainly had a great take on the WWE. Um, I ran into uh, Hornswoggle <laughs> when I was in New Orleans, and I thought, God, he just would be a really interesting guest because of, uh, you know, uh, certainly what he was involved in with the uh, the WWE and, and the time he spent there. But also, you know, uh, you know this whole thing, you know, the little people uh, that have been involved in, in professional wrestling forever. And just, uh, you know, get his take on on the world of uh, what's happening now. And, and I'm sure that he uh, owes uh, a lot to uh, some of the people that uh, came before him. You know, and it, it, I'm just saying that I would like to bring in other people. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. And of course, you know, you can get to me. Uh, very easily just by emailing me you can email me at primetimemooney at gmail.com that's primetimemoey at gmail.com and uh, I just uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it uh, we are certainly going to get a different perspective in this edition of primetime with Sean Mooney uh, you may remember him as Johnny B bad or when he went by his real name in the WWE uh, he had a fascinating career in and out of the ring we're going to hear from uh, Mark Merrow and, uh, and what what a uh, great story uh, he had to tell um, in this episode. It talks about Sable, that connection, and uh, you know the good and the bad through it all, and uh, where he is today. So that that's coming up. But before we get there, hey, I mean, are you happy with your mobile service? You know, are you happy with the cell phone you have? Uh, you know, now everybody has to you know, have to lease a phone. That becomes on top of what you're paying. And then, not only do you pay for the service, then you gotta pay for all the data you use. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. Folks, I am telling you, uh, you may not have ever heard of Ting Mobile, but you are going to be hearing a lot more about it. It is seriously the best mobile you've never heard of, and here is why uh, you are going to be hearing a lot about this mobile service. Ting does mobile phone service differently. Now. What a concept. Listen to this. You only pay for what you use. (laughs) There are no startup fees, no contracts, no plans. You see what I said? No startup fees, no contracts, no plans. That is just amazing. Uh, You just pay for what you use. And uh, this blew me away. I was talking to one of the folks with Ting. The average bill, they just figured this out, uh, that the average Ting bill is just $23 per phone per month. And that's all you pay. So, I mean, it really depends on how much you use the phone, but that is the average bill, $23. And, you know, what else is an absolute must when you have a mobile phone? Coverage, right? You want to be able to have a call. You don't want to drop it out on you. Well, Ting uh, definitely has you covered. Ting has nationwide LTE coverage, which is about the best you can get. And it means you're going to have great network coverage from coast to coast, wherever you are. And it gets even better. Now, when you make the switch... Uh, you don't have to get a new phone. You get to keep the one you have because almost any phone will work with Ting from that ancient Motorola razor. Uh, some of you still have, really. Uh, and, or, or, or even a, you know, like a Galaxy S9 or, of course, uh, an iPhone, whatever it is. And let's just say you need to talk to someone about your service. I mean, you want to be able to call up Ting and say, hey, what's going on? Well, Ting actually brags about how great their customer service is and they back it up. They say that, uh, you know, uh, when you call, all you're going to have to do is wait, you know, a maximum of a couple of minutes. And when they pick up, you're talking to a human being. So uh, what more could you ask for? You've got to give it a try. And uh, we're going to make it real easy for you. All you got to do is go to primetime.ting.com. That's primetime.ting.com. And when you sign up, you will have the choice of either getting $25 off your first bill or $25 off a new phone if you need one in the Ting shop. If you don't already have a phone you want to use. So all you got to do is go to primetime.ting.com. Do it. All right. It's time to get bad with Johnny B. Bad. I have no idea what that means. So. Let's just get to my conversation with Mark Miro. Ding, ding, ding. Well, folks, I am uh, very excited to welcome our guest here. Our paths never crossed uh, when uh, I was with the WWF, WWE at the time. But uh, I heard a lot about him when he was uh, down in the WCW, and he's had a, had a tremendous career. But I think that uh, if you asked him uh, what his greatest accomplishments have been. He would talk about what he's doing today. I want to welcome Mark Merrow to Primetime with Sean Mooney. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. How are you?
1: Sean, it's just great to talk to you, man. I know our paths never crossed, but I've always admired what you do and and uh, excited about talking with you today.
0: Mark, you know, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. You know, of course, our, our, our audiences, uh, they're rabid wrestling fans. They love that era the, of the 80s and the 90s uh, when I th- I think it's never been matched to this day, uh, wherever professional wrestling was going on. Um, but I have to tell you, you, you know, you had me welled up this morning. I, I, uh, took a look at your uh, champion of choices, uh, website, and I, I had been looking at it during the week, but I really, I sat down this morning before we got on this call and I'd looked at, at a few of the videos and folks, yes, we will get to wrestling, but Man, I have to tell you, and maybe, maybe all of your, uh, training, you know, I, I don't know how you look back on it, but maybe it was preparing you for what your real mission in life was. Uh, but really, uh, I have to tell you, it, it was just so powerful. So far. Thank
1: you, Sean. You know, I, I just found our, an amazing way to connect with young people and, and even adults. I mean, anyone that we do corporations and it's it's amazing when you do some of the big corporations that I do and you see so many people that have been emotionally affected by it. But, you know, it really makes them to to uh, evaluate their own life and become a better husband, parent, friend, whatever, boss, you know, yes. uh, employee And, uh, but the students are really my passion because, you know, Sean, we're just losing so many kids to suicide, self-harm, bullying. And, um, I really, really feel a calling to, to go to, you know, to go as many of these presentations as possible.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, folks, I was, (laughs) I was looking at your schedule, Mark, my God. And that's another thing maybe wrestling prepared you for. You have all these dates coming up. You can go months and months, but most of the time you're doing two presentations a day uh yeah
1: we've done up to five in a day you know it's two or three a day (laughs) but it's it's funny sean i remember when i when i retired from the wwe and i thought to myself oh my gosh thank goodness no more (laughs) travel. we used to 250 cities a year i mean we did 293 events last year in 35 states and three countries you know
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're going on more than 10 years now, I think, since you've been doing this, but now more than ever, you mentioned, uh, the issues that we are seeing today and what uh, kids are dealing with and we're losing so many. Uh, do you feel that way? I mean, really now more than ever?
1: Uh, you know, Sean, it's it, it it breaks my heart. You know, I I've been to a couple schools this year or this past school year. One school had six suicides and one school had seven suicides. Wow! And when you think about this many young people that feel hopeless or helpless, it, it just breaks your heart. It gives me more of a, a I don't know of an honor or passion to try and help and save these kids. And we we have really made a difference in so many kids' lives. That um, it, it just propels you to want to do more. And, and we kick off. this is going to be our 12th year now uh, presenting at schools uh, all around the world. We even went to Russia and spoke at schools out in Russia. So it was incredible.
0: Wow, so you're worldwide now.
1: It is. It's really taken off. We go to Guatemala next month. And really? uh, schools and um, uh, parent events also where where we can get a lot of the parents to come out and and kind of understand what a lot of these kids go through because sometimes these kids don't really have that communication with their parents the way you know they, they hold a lot of things inside and especially most of these kids that have ended their life you know we yeah. always hear from the parent if if he or she only told me or we only talked about what she was going or he was going through we would have we would have helped him.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, folks, we're going to circle around back to this. We'll talk a lot more about uh, champion of choices and bad, which uh, comes in from, uh, you know, Johnny B bad. But uh, that's a big slogan of yours is be against destructive decisions. And uh, we're going to talk about that. But I I think that your path to where you are today, you know, uh, starts from your beginnings. Um, I know you were, uh, I believe you were born in Buffalo, New York. You know, I, I was born in Rochester.
1: Oh uh, yeah. 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 So you no
0: know, cold weather <laughs> early on, but
1: <laughs> yes,
0: but, uh, you know, th- in, in most cases, when you talk to people, uh, you know, their childhood of course plays a big role in it. And you always, you, you talk about the, uh, the influence of your mother. Um, I, you don't mention your father, but I, you know, I grew up uh, with, the uh, you know, four other siblings and my mom raised us, uh, on a school teacher's salary. So I, I, you know, early on, my mom's my hero too. She, this is somebody who we could have ended up in foster homes and she could have given up the house, but she just refused to do it. And for you was, was this kind of delaying the path, um, for you when you were a kid, uh, how the, it would affect you throughout your life? Um, uh, not having that, that positive male role model around well,
1: you know, you know, Sean, I did have a positive role. Of mom. My dad was in my life. My parents were divorced,
0: uh-huh. and,
1: and, and it was a little difficult because we lived in a really, really rough section on the west side of Buffalo, New York.
0: Uh-huh. And,
1: but my dad would pick us up every Sunday, or my dad would go to my sporting events. So it wasn't like he wasn't in my life. We were very close. And, you know, oh, and I considered <laughs> him my, my best friend. But it was really my mother that really... You know, inspired and instilled so many values in us. And even though you know we didn't heed to it at the time, or you know we we did a lot of oh gosh, just such a horrible and detrimental things to my mom. That what we, we what we put her through, being arrested and ah uh, 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 drugs and, and and all the craziness that we went through. But you know, it's amazing because I I really believe that I became the mom, the person my mom always knew I would be. Even uh-huh. though she didn't get to see it. I know she prayed for me all the time. She she just seen this in me, this person in me. And I know now she knows. I mean, I have this this faith that, you know, she's in heaven and that uh, she knows what I'm, go, I'm doing and helping people. And I know how proud of of me she is.
0: Well, so what led you to that uh, that dark path? Because, I mean, you, you played hockey. You were quite a hockey player and and football. And then you said you did, you know, have that, even though your parents were divorced, but your father was in your life was a a positive influence. What do you, what led you to to get into trouble and be with a, a bad crowd?
1: Well, first of all, it, you know, it was very successful in sports, like you said, but it was yeah. uh, boxing that really took off for me. And I won the New York State Golden Gloves. I won the the remember the Empire State Games. I won the gold medal. Oh
0: yeah, it's huge.
1: And uh, I, I eventually turned professional in boxing. And two weeks before my first professional boxing match, I was on pace to do something great in that sport two weeks before my first uh, boxing match I had my nose shattered in an accident I needed reconstructive surgery and I'll never forget it was in that time off I remember my whole life all I did was train I mean every sport I excelled in I worked so hard in I trained so hard and I remember that this was the first time I really felt like I had almost like a vacation or art because I couldn't train so mm-hmm. it was like some time off and man, I got hooked up with some bad people. And I, when I say bad, with the wrong people, you know, people that were into drugs and, mm-hmm. and partying and going out. And I, I thought it was so much fun. And then when I first started doing drugs, I, I got hooked on it, you know, and that was, you know, I remember I kept thinking, I'm coming back in one year, I'm going to be champ of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, One year turn into two years, then four years, then 10 years of my life of drug addiction. And
0: how old are you when this started?
1: Um when this started, I was um uh, gosh, I was in my late teens, probably 19,
0: mm-hmm.
1: 18, 19, right after right after high school and um doing drugs all that time. And then I'll never I'll never forget, I was um ended up building swimming pools in, in Florida, made my way down there and we were still dealing drugs. I was about 30 years old. And I had a bunch of buddies over in my apartment. We were watching, one of my friends had the remote control and he was flipping to the TV channels and he landed on professional wrestling, WCW professional wrestling, <laughs> you know, 605, you know? Yeah. And uh, we, st- we, I said, hold on, stop it there. Let me see this, you know? And as we're watching it, you know, we're, the, my friends are making comments about the wrestlers and the matches and stuff. And i am never forget, I just go, hey, guys, I could do that. And they laugh so hard. They go, Mark. <laughs> are you crazy look at the size of those guys you know i remember just thinking so anyways at the gym i trained at there was a couple guys that were like enhancement guys for wcw and um i asked them how you get into it and they told me about uh dean malenko's father's the great malenko boris malenko yeah he had a, he had a wrestling school in tampa florida which is only about i don't know maybe an hour or so away from venice where i was living and I started driving up there on, like, weekends and, and, and after work and stuff. And that's when I first started training in wrestling. And then I, I became one of those guys that, you know, gets beat up on television for, like, 150 bucks, you know? Yeah. And it was Dusty Rhodes that saw me. He was booking at the time. And after my match, um, he asked me into his office. And he said, hey, kid, anybody ever tell you, you look like Little Richard? And at the time I was thinking he was talking about a wrestler, I said, "Who's Little Richard?" And he goes, "You know, womp a, Lube, a, Wop, a <laughs> And I go, "Man, I never heard that before." He goes, I "Really?" Got a gimmick for you, and that's how the Johnny B. Bad character was was born.
0: Yeah. So this whole time, though, I mean, first of all, you you're kind of late getting into professional wrestling. I, I you know Diamond Dallas Page maybe beat you by a, a few years, <laughs> yes. but really, that's kind of late to get in there. And you just don't walk into the Malenko's and say, Hey, train me. Uh, was it because you were a pretty gifted athlete and, uh, had a great look?
1: Yeah. You know, at the time I was, uh, you know, even though I was partying all the time, I was still at the gym. I had a good, good physique and, um, you know, and you you, you have to pay, you know, you pay, he didn't charge you a lot, but he, you know, we paid a little bit to train there. It was very reasonable. And, um, you know, I trained with a lot of other new guys and, um, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget it, man. It was like, um, I, just, I just really loved it, you know, and I just really wanted to make it. And uh, then when I got my break as, as Johnny B. Bat, it's like my, my whole life took off. You know, it's like I, you know, all of a sudden you sign a big contract and you, you have money that you never made before. And, and, and it was all great. But the problem was, is, you know, at that time, I, it's like getting off drugs and, and then making it. But then there's the nightlife. There's the bar owners leave the bars open all night. There's, there's women, there's, there's, there's money, there's sex, there's, there's everything, you know, everything that takes you away from what you always wanted to do in your life, you know? And so this
0: whole time, so this whole time though, I mean, you're still doing drugs, but was it. Just, you were able to control it. It wasn't, no, uh, you
1: no, know, no, it got really bad. What, and, I, oh. and this is the story I, I I've shared only a couple of times, but, um, what happened was, uh, the drug of choice back then was like cocaine. Everybody was pretty much partying on cocaine. And what happened was I started missing shows and you know how that is. You can't miss a, no. you know, yeah. on, the, on the, on the marquee, man, you don't, you don't miss an event, you know? And uh, I'll never forget that Dusty Rhodes, after missing a couple events, not even showing, you know, you know the excuse, you know, you, you you always look like when you're flying out, you I'll go, oh, you know, I missed my plane. I'll take the next one. I'll take the next one. Then all of a sudden, the the last one you were going to take is canceled or something happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Then there's no flights and you're you're done. And it's that happened to me a couple of times. But Dusty Rhodes called me into his office at the CNN Center, and when I came into his office, you know how jovial Dusty was and fun. And he's always laughing and he's just a great guy. You know, I never seen him so sad and so serious. And he said, it wasn't
0: mad. It was just disappointment.
1: Oh, it was like, like heartbreaking, you know, Uh he just looked at me and he said, with this really stern look and sadness about him, he just goes, kid, I made you and I can break you. Mm. He goes, if you miss one more show, you're done. Mm. And I was like, wow, this dream I've had of making it in something, you know, doing something great in this world is about to be taken away. And I was thinking, man, I got to get off these drugs. You know, I got to get off. I got to stop doing this. And, you know, and then I was able to control it enough to where I didn't miss the shows. But still partying and doing stupid things, you know, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I, I got, I got married. It was, um, 1994 when I married Rena, that we both just really turned our lives around, you know, got off the drugs and and everything cleaned up and, and really find, found our faith too. Started to go to church. And I, I adopted uh, her daughter at the time was Mariah five years old at the time. And we really started living a, a good life. And then a couple of years later, I got the call up to go to, um, WWE, and that's when I brought her with me to WWE.
0: So, uh, you know, backing up a little bit on this, and uh, maybe at the time, did it seem uh, easy for you? Because it's this stuff just doesn't happen. I and mean, we we know, Mark, we can talk about the thousands and thousands of you know guys out there that had the look that may, maybe even had the talent that never got the opportunity that that you got to to be with the WCW at the time, which certainly hadn't reached the heights it was going to get to, but it was uh, very well known. Some huge names there that uh, you got to work with, you know, with Sting and DDP and, you know, Scott yeah. Hall, I guess at the time was Diamond yeah. Stud. You know, I mean, did you realize at the time the opportunities you had been getting and maybe that slap in the face from Dusty made you wake up? What what was...
1: Well, uh, you know, what? One of the hardest things was is being so green. You know I mean? When you're mm. just thrown out there, and it wasn't like there was... You know, we didn't have the performance center. We had the power plant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Back then. And I remember D- Diamond Dale's Page is one of my closest friends in the world. We were just uh, together a couple nights ago. He was training over at the yeah. center.
0: Yeah, love DDP.
1: He, uh, we went to dinner together. And then uh, last month, I stayed at his house for a few days. And we, we just are real tight, you know? Mm. Well, back then, we were always, always been tight. And uh, we would go down to the the, uh, the the power plant back then and work on, on stuff, you know? And, uh, cause I wanted to get better. I mean, it was embarrassing. Like they're putting me over all these top guys. And yeah. when I first came in, that have been around the business for years and, you know, they're having trouble working with me and I'm not knowing, I don't know a lot of the moves that they did, you know, and you try to, but I was a gifted athlete. So I picked it up fairly quick, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, 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 there were so many guys, I mean, I could give a list of guys that can really give a, a lot of credit to, you know, uh you know, back then when, uh, triple H was, uh, um, uh, Paul Levesque, mm-hmm. he helped me out. Steve Regal, man, that, those guys, uh, Scott Levy, um, guys that were just really patient working with me in the ring and helping me and then discussing the match with me after and, and giving me pointers and helping me. And, and even though they're putting me over these guys, they still took the time to, to help me. And I, I just look back, you know, and, you know, maybe at the time I didn't give them the credit they deserved because you're so caught up in stuff, you know, but when you look back on your life, you can really evaluate things. And there's so many people that I, I look forward to meeting in person again, so I could thank them for all the effort they put into helping me, uh, have an, a, a remarkable career. I mean, it was a 14 years on and off, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, tell us about that relationship though, with, with Rena, everybody knows, of course, is Sable, Mm -hmm. Uh, you were married in 94. How did you first meet? And then how did that, uh, end up that you guys got together and were married?
1: Oh gosh, it was really funny. Um, we were wrestling in Jacksonville, Florida, and I think I was with, um, I know I was with Marcus Bagwell trying to think who else was. Oh, I was with, it was DDP. Yeah.
0: Of course.
1: (laughs) We were (laughs) we're traveling together and we stopped Uh at a restaurant. It was like a, a buffet. And, um, we, we used to play this game, <laughs> so stupid, but uh, I didn't even admitting this, it was called Give Her Your Best Line, where oh, if boy. I said to Marcus, Marcus, we see a nice looking girl or something, we go, give her your best line. And then you'd have to try to come up with something to either get a date or meet them or get a phone number or something, you know? And most of the time we just did it, we'd laugh our heads off, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was my turn and, and uh, um, Buff and DDP. We, we, oh, we were in line in the buffet. And all of a sudden, at the end of this line, there was this beautiful girl. And uh, we're, all, I, I, we're all like, oh, you see that girl over there? And uh, DDP and, and Buff go, "Give her your best line. I like, go, oh, man. So now um, the pressure's on. Well, what I did, I tried to want to be really creative. So <laughs> creative, I worked when I was in elementary school. What I did was when I came to the... Um, uh, the 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 where you cash out after you order your food and you cash out at the end of the the uh, buffet line, um, I, I gave this lady a note. It says, "Do you like me? Yes or no." no. You know, With I, the there, boxes, it's so stupid, right? <laughs> and I said, "See that girl at the end of the line there? When she comes by, I give it to her and tell her it's for me." So sure enough, she gave her the note, and the, the and Rena didn't really sell it. She just kind of took the note. Well, about. I don't know 15 minutes later we were getting just about getting ready to leave and the waitress comes over to me and hands me this note and she wrote in maybe <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so before I left I said um you know hey we're wrestling in Jacksonville tonight and she knew who we were she just never led on to it right. and I left her her and her friends tickets to come in and, and that's when we first started um you know hanging out together and and eventually um, you know, she she would become my my wife, and I'd I'd adopt her child and mm-hmm. and Mariah. In fact, Mariah she's uh 28 now, and she's she's coming uh, next month to stay with us for uh, we're taking her to Disney and my granddaughter. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a a great time. But anyways, to make a long story short. That's that's how we met. We eventually got married in '94, and of course, I was still with WCW, and then when I went to WWE, I one thing I noticed, and and Sean, you you can attest this in, the, in in the business we were in. Most people get divorced. I mean, oh, there's yeah. not a lot yeah. of strong marriages that made it through wrestling, you know. Yeah. And just getting married and 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 having faith and and wanting to just be a good husband, man. I thought, you know what? I don't want to travel without my wife. So Vince offers me this. First of all, it was the first guaranteed contract, a big deal, and um, he offered me a big signing bonus. And after I got his offer, I said. Vince, there's only one thing I want more than, 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 what you offered me was I want my wife to fly everywhere I fly. Mm-hmm. And he was like dumb phone. He goes, like, I, I never heard that before,
0: Yeah.
1: He said, but yeah. here's my idea. Maybe she could be my valet. And he goes, well, let's just worry about you. You know I mean? He, didn't, he never saw her. He never knew what she looked like, you know? Mm-hmm. So he sent me a ticket to fly to New York to sign my contract. And when it got the ticket, I, I called them up. I said, Vince, um, my wife doesn't have a ticket. He goes, I got a flyer to do the signing. And I go, she goes everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right. So sure enough, they sent her a ticket. We, um, walked into Vince's office and when he saw her, he said, mm-hmm. I got to put you on TV. I mean, she's wow. a beautiful girl. And, uh, that, then that day we went through all these names and we came up with the name Sable. And, uh, then they, you know, the creative came up with a the, the character, wild man, Mark Merrill. And, um, it was, you know, it was very difficult at first. Like, what was a wild man? Going from this flamboyant, over-the-top character Johnny B. Bad to wild man Mark Merrill. What am I, from the jungle? What am yeah, yeah. And I remember Vince saying to me, can you do like a Tarzan yell? And I said, Vince, I don't <laughs> have a strong voice, you know? <laughs> I really don't. I can't even yell, you know? Yeah. it's very hoarse. So, anyways, it, we um, made my debut against... Um, um Glenn Jacobs came back then he was Isaac Yankum. Yeah God. <laughs> uh, Made my debut against him and he's such a good worker made me made me look really good my, on my 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 debut match and um and of course it wasn't long after that um I won the Intercontinental title and things were going well but then I blew out my knee
0: Yeah
1: and I needed a uh, total reconstruction of my knee it was 8 months off and during that time off they used able to advertise like austin 316 shirts or merchandise or whatever and she would like get this amazing pop you know like yeah. people were cheering for her. so it really took off and so the the idea was when we came back make me this jealous let's change my character make me into kind of a heel and we went with the marvelous mark Merrill from my former boxing days gimmick and we were um and ad- adversaries you know and it, it just, it just really worked at the time, you know, because of them loving her and, and, and disliking me, but you know what? I, and, and, you know, of course um, I'd let her take advantage of me, power bomb me or beat me up. And, and of course it did not sit well with the other guys. So they're going like, you, you ruin your career, man. But you know, Sean at the time,
0: Yeah, this is prior to China.
1: Yeah. You get you get
0: it, away with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, this is like um, when you're, in love and you're, you realize you're gonna to be together the rest of your life. Like they're, they're backing up the, tr- the brings truck to our house at the time, you know? And you think, wow, this is amazing. I don't care if, who's over, we're, one of us is over. You know, we're, we're making a lot of money. I'm on a guaranteed contract. I got paid the same whether I win or lose, you know? And, um, you know, looking back of your life, you think, man, was that the right move to do? But I wouldn't have changed one thing in my life. I, all the paths I took ended up to right where I'm at now and I couldn't be more fulfilled or happier in in the life I have now. So, I think if you change something in the past, it could change something in the future.
0: Yeah, well, and and I think that's the way you have to look at it because you can't change it, and you have to keep <laughs> moving forward. But I want to I want to back up on this even before you came to the the WWF uh, at the time. Um, had Rena been involved in any you know uh, of uh, wrestling at all, all until she went there and to the WWF and Vince saw her. Uh, had she ever been involved in any of the gimmicks that you did or, or any of the angles you'd done, uh, with the WCW or was she always in the background?
1: Always housewife took care of our daughter. Uh-huh. Um, we had a beautiful home, took care of all that. Uh, they had no interest in it, it at that, but it was, it was my idea when I said, Hey, when we, when, when I go to WWE, I really want you to come with me. And uh-huh. that's when we came up with the idea. Maybe it'd be a good idea to have her do this. She's gonna be with me anyways. Why not? have her do my, right. you know, be a ballet. never think of her being a wrestler though.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you know, that relationships do not last very long. Uh, yeah. we, we saw, you know, we can name hundreds of examples that, uh, where families did not, uh, do well, uh, with this, with that schedule back then. It was just insane. But at the same time, did you also look at somebody like Randy Savage? Now that was a kind of a cautionary tale as well with, uh, Elizabeth. Did you, uh, were you aware of that at the time that you were just thinking, well, that's not going to happen to us?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Sean, when you look back and you, you think uh, that you've seen examples of, of relationships that didn't work, even though they worked together, um, many of them. And, uh, but you always think yours is going to be different. You know, yeah. your marriage is going to survive. You know, this is, uh, we're, we're different than they are, you know? And, um, you know, it's unfortunate. It's just a very tough business to, maintain a, a strong, faithful, honest relationship.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, at the same time, you know, uh, you mentioned it, it wasn't easy with the boys and there was probably a combination of things involved here. First of all, they're thinking you're getting special treatment because you're traveling with your wife and then you come in and within six months, uh, you're the intercontinental champion. How, uh, difficult was it backstage? What was that life like for you? With your peers, you no,
1: know, Sean. That's a great question. I think even more so than what you just said was, I was also getting a guaranteed contract.
0: Yeah, mm.
1: many guys were paid by the house, and we, you know, yeah. we weren't always drawing the best, and they weren't making very great paychecks. So there was a lot of animosity, and you know, it's so weird because I didn't really see it as much back then. When I look back on it, I could understand how you know people treated me or um and 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 we were in our own world. I mean, we're here and with my wife all the time. You know, we're like aloof. we're we're together all the time. I'm eating all my meals with her. I'm not like really being one of the boys. like I was with wCW traveling and having fun and going out to the bars. and I'm not doing it at yeah. w. And I just seen that there was and became a lot of animosity towards me. And, you know, to this day, Sean, if I ever acted like a a, a jerk to people, Gosh, I am so sorry. You know, I never, it was my intentions uh, to ever be rude to someone, especially how I deal with people on, on a daily basis today, knowing how your words or actions can affect other people that, um, you know, you know, from, my, from the bottom of my heart, I am totally sorry for ever offending or hurting anyone, you know, if I ever looked, acted aloof or, or rude or said things that um, offended somebody
0: yeah and, and so you you have this immediate success um you don't hold hold on to that belt long and then you get a major injury really for a wrestler to be out that long uh for six months eight months and, was it eight that's right eight, eight, eight months. months yeah it was, it was a long one so in the meantime you're you basically are you i mean are you sitting at home are you still trying because you know Sable's getting this gigantic push.
1: No, no, she's on the road by herself now. I'm I'm staying home, I'm um, taking wow. care of our daughter. Uh-huh. And um, you know, and and like I said I I'm to- total reconstruction my my knee, my my um ACL, meniscus, um medial collateral all blown yeah. out, you know. So it's like you know almost like walking over again, you know. And it so was how did a- that
0: affect your relationship during that period of time because this is Things really began to change after that. I'm not saying necessarily personally with your your uh, your marriage, but your your job with the WWF.
1: Well, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm on a guaranteed contract, so I got a long-term deal. Right. so that's not going to change anytime soon. But um, you know, um, when you you know you feel you have a strong marriage and, and you're going to make it through this this time. And, uh, I mean, she wasn't on the road, like doing house shows, so she wasn't gone that much. I mean, she was basically doing, uh, television, pay-per-views and things like that. So it wasn't, you know, every week she was traveling for a couple of days, but it wasn't, wasn't like she's on the road all the time. So it wasn't yeah. too
0: bad. Yeah. Can you honestly say that when you saw this happening that she really started to, to skyrocket and become really popular that you really felt like this is, this is good for both of us. And, uh, you know, and the relationship didn't change,
1: man. I tell you, Sean, at that time I couldn't have been more proud of her. Cause remember she came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. She, she yeah. grew
1: up really poor. And, you know, I mean, she came from, man, when I met her, she was like on, uh, uh, her, you know, her, her husband was killed in a car accident. Yeah. She's yeah. raising a daughter. She's on, um, you know, aid from the state. um, you know, just living a tough life, and then all of a sudden, seeing this amazing person do this—you know—to the heights of the wrestling. I mean, it was incredible. I was so proud of her, and and uh, couldn't be happier for for both of us.
0: So when you did come back, though, you you you've, you've mentioned that it was never the same. What had changed as far as their attitude attitude towards you?
1: Well, I, I had to change my 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 in ring style quite a bit. I was doing a lot of high flying stuff before that, and of course, uh-huh. my knee, I, I didn't want to risk it, you know, as much as I would do, you know, three or four moves off the top rope during a match, and you know, limited a lot of that stuff. Um, but you know, because the character was basically made to fail, I mean, and be the to get the the character was basically made to get sable over. You know, mm-hmm. being the, the fall guy, being the guy that she can beat on or, you know, make look silly every time. I'm, I'm trying to um, cover her up and make her wear a potato sack and underneath that she's got a, a bikini on, you know. Yeah. She always came out on top on every little thing that we would do, you know. And, and Vince Russo did a lot of the writing back then and and came up with all these, you know, kind of funny but, but creative ideas to always bring her out on top. And, and I was fine with it. I mean, this, this is my wife. I, I, I really wanted to make it work and I'm a team player. I wanted to give it the best, you know, she got huge ratings when she was on back then. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you ever object to some of the things they, they had her do? That was, it was like a period of time there, but man, did they push the envelope, not just with Sable, but with, uh, a lot of the females that were involved. Did you ever really object to that or was it always, well, you know, this is, uh, this is getting over and, uh, you know, I don't know how she felt about it, but did you ever really, were you uncomfortable with a lot of that material?
1: You know, Sean, I, I gotta tell you when I, when I look back on my life and I, I see the things that I allowed my wife at the time to do or was a part of it, it's, it's, um, somewhat embarrassing now i i know i'm forgiven and you have to forgive yourself too you can't live your you can't live with resentment or bitterness and, and and stuff like that you just can't you have to forgive yourself and 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 uh but when i look back on it i, I was um gosh i i just i couldn't imagine doing something like that today you know I, my my life is so different now and uh but when i look back on some of the things that we did and we were involved in you just got to shake your head and, and and chalk it up to a major learning experience in your life.
0: Huh. Well, how did Rena feel about some of the stuff? Did she really object at the time, or did she well, you say know this what? is what the character think, is?
1: Yeah, I think at the time, you know, we were both so caught up in, uh, um, you know, getting her over and realizing that this is a, a major, uh, I mean, <clears throat> Other than Steve Austin, I think she got one of the biggest pops of the night when she came out. I mean, mm-hmm. they really went crazy for her, and yeah. you get caught up in that. It's like an addiction. It's like a, you know, you it's you, you really get caught up in it. And uh, I think at the time we were both just caught up in, in in that moment of really wanting to make it work and get over. And and you know, with her spot on that television, if you say no, you know, there's there's a lot of people that jump in right after yeah. I would do it.
0: Yeah, there's always somebody there. Sure. And so for for how about how about for you during that period of time? Um you said that, you know, that that character was basically there to to put Sable over. Uh but did it start to affect you and when did it, you know, start to go bad? Well,
1: Sean, to be totally honest with you, you know, and honest with myself, and I'm yeah. You know, look back on even even saying this, it's when when Playboy first came and offered us this huge deal to do Playboy and they offered this deal where she would get a quarter an issue over their normal sales. Well, of course, Vince really pushed that on television and it became one of the fastest selling in Playboy history. Mm-hmm. You know, And she, you know, made a lot of money. We, we made a lot of money on this and this Playboy. But, you know, it was so hard about it. And even looking back at my life, and even embarrassing to say this, but I have to admit my faults, too. I'm certainly not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, we were thinking, wow, this is so much money. This is like life-changing money. And, yeah. But we are Christians. We are going to church. We are, you know, praising God and, and living a, a nice life. And all of a sudden, this comes into our life. And I'll never forget, we were sitting at a table, and we were discussing it. Oh, should we do this? Should we not do this? And then it was like, God will forgive us.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But see, with that, God does forgive you, but there's consequences to our actions in life. Uh-huh. And I really believe that if I look back on my life, I really believe that was the beginning of the end of our relationship. Mm. You know, and although there was many other things after that that happened, but that was really the beginning. And that was the consequences. I think we both we both paid for, um, for wanting to do something that was um, against us. Our our, 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 beliefs or our, 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 our life at the time, you know?
0: Yeah. And, you know, you, you look at it from that viewpoint of, uh, you know, this incredible success, you may start thinking like all the things you can do, but, um, you know, you can't, you can't fix it. And you don't realize at the time that the damage it's, it's, uh, having on your relationship, and then there's nothing you can do about it. It's done. No, uh, is that kind of what you it, felt? You know, I mean, I, I don't know if it took a matter of three, four years. You know, sure,
1: it, it happened. Everything started happening so fast. I mean, next thing you know, Playboy's right back. Let's do it again. You know, and yeah. and I think she ended up doing like four four covers. You know, yeah. Yeah. and and there was a, there was it's it was a lot of money and a lot of uh, notoriety. Next thing you know, you're at parties at the Playboy Mansion all the time. There's all these new people coming into your life that probably don't have the best um (laughs) character and um and then ended up ended up quitting wrestling you know ended up um uh suing the wwe for sexual harassment my 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 ex-wife sable did and uh we quit so we were done and then we went to hollywood and she wanted to do movies and she did a couple movies and and a couple things out there and i'll never forget that she said to me um what would you What would you think if I called Vince to go back? I said, are you crazy?
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: sued them to, and we left.
0: $10 them. million, dollars. yeah.
1: I, I said, would it wouldn't be safe to go back there. And she told me that she called Vince, and Vince was open for it. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away. I was like, wow. And so I became the stay-at-home dad, and she went on the road. And it was shortly after that that, um, you know, Was it wasn't long after that that she went back to wrestling? Um, You know, her her and Brock Lesnar became um, an item, and they eventually, you know, we got divorced. They got married, and they have kids. And gosh, I couldn't. I I wish them all the best in the world. Like you, like I said, all the paths we took in our life ended up to where I'm at now, and um, I couldn't be more blessed and and happier now in my life. No matter what bad mistakes I made back then.
0: Was there a point, though, during that that you said, hey, you know, hey, uh, I mean, you were second. You were, like, uh, in the shadows now. We, we, was there a point where you said, you know, hey, that, that was supposed to be me. I, I was supposed to be...
1: Oh, not really, Sean. I mean, it, unfortunately, it, it became a, a, a runaway train eventually, you know. It became mm-hmm. like, you can't stop it now, you know. Um, and then, you know, them wanting her to wrestle, and then, of course, I wanted to be real protective of her when she wrestled, so I was yeah. like, usually in the matches or there. Um, you know, I, I helped train her to get her prepared for I me, mean, there was very little she could do because it was uh, you know, all of a sudden she's on a wrestling in WrestleMania, you know, she never even wrestled, you know. So yeah. it was uh it was we 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 had a limit to what she could do, but she did a great job of the little things that she did do, she really, you know, would bring down the house and those little little things of like tackling someone and or doing a move. And she did some crazy moves too.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it ends up that way. In, in some ways, it seems she was a victim of her own success, and and maybe that's still a choice that she doesn't regret. But at this point in time, what was your life like? Because you you say uh, in your in your uh, talks that you lost everything. Yeah. When when was that?
1: Well, Sean, you know, um, during during my marriage with Rena, I lost my 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 mom died uh, at fifty eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks later, my twenty-one-year-old brother died. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my sister died earlier f- at twenty-one from cancer. Uh, my dad died while I was holding him in my arms, and then oh, my my ex-wife Rena left me. And I remember it was the lowest point of my life. It's like how much, how much can your heart take, you know, losing everybody and everything that mattered to you. And my other brother, Joel was incarcerated in prison. My other sister, Mm -hmm. Jody tried to end her life through an overdose of, 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 uh, pills. It was like, everything was like the perfect storm in my life. And then it was Christmas day and I found myself all alone, no place to go. And I remember just the depression and, and and this is the weirdest thing. Through our struggle, we find our strength. But this is the biggest blessing of my life. Mm. If I ever, if I never understood or knew that feeling, I would never be as successful as I am today, helping, changing, and even saving lives all over the world.
0: Yeah. Do you remember that date, that Christmas when uh, what, what was it, two thousand three? Yeah, two thousand
1: three, and wow. uh, it was. Uh, I, I remember just had no place to go. And what I did was I drove to uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida. I was living in, in in the Orlando area. I drove to Cocoa Beach, Florida, and I remember just sitting under a pier on Christmas Day. You know, day yeah. you celebrate with family and friends and the tree and presents and music yeah. and laughter and food. And I was all alone. And I just remember, man, I, I once made it. I once had it all. I was once rich, <laughs> you know? And now... No mom or dad to call. No, my little brother and sister are gone. Jeez. My my ex-wife is gone, and uh, we weren't even divorced then. It was 2003. We got we yeah. ended up getting divorced a year later, 2004, yeah. but she was already gone. You know, from from our home and our my life. She already made the move, but. Man, I got to tell you, Sean, that the greatest gift, though, is not having the resentment or bitterness or un, especially unforgiveness, man. If you don't forgive, right. you forgive or you relive. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I can actually talk about it. And it sure, there's a sadness about it. But there's not like a a, a regret or um, because now you look at all the all the blessings that happened out of that yeah. situation. Yeah. And, and so many lives are being changed and saved. So if I could ever say anything to my ex-wife is two words. Thank you.
0: Mm. But did you, uh, you know, at this point you've mentioned that you nearly lost your life three times.
1: um, Drug use. Yeah.
0: Was this, uh, were there episodes prior or, or one to come? I mean, Uh, did you crawl in a hole? What happened?
1: One of them happened um, while I was wrestling at uh, a WCW event was, we were in a the locker room that they they put us in. they had all this pharmaceutical stuff that was kind of locked up and and, and, and I, I don't remember how if we broke in or if it was over, the door was open but there was certain stuff in there and I don't even know no. what it was and I was with um I probably shouldn't say their names I don't want to
0: um, okay. you That's
1: know fine. <laughs> anybody yeah, but um, I was with a few of the wrestlers and uh-huh. we got into some stuff and we started sniffing it. And it was mm. like, oh my gosh, this gets you so high. And next thing I know, I passed out. I mean, I was like dead. Mm. And um, they they carried, helped me to a, um, I don't remember this happened, is what I was told later, but they helped me to one of the rental cars and put me in the backseat thinking I was just passed out. Or And um, I, I don't remember waking up till the next day and I knew yes. that night I, I should have been dead, you know? And then the other, the other couple of times were with, with friends when we were, um, smoking crack or Coke or whatever. And I remember just taking a hit and all of a sudden waking up a couple of days later, you know, things like that.
0: Uh, Uh, So this was prior to 2003 though.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So why didn't you, why didn't you go back to that life or, or did you, or what, you know, what happened from that point forward until you really, uh, found the path that you're on now?
1: Um, well, 2003 was, a, a, you know, I had a real spiritual awakening, uh, like a a re- rebirth in my life, a rededication to Christ, and 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 everything changed, man. Everything changed. I I went and became well. At the time, I'm 43 years old too, so it wasn't like I was going to go back and do a full schedule again, or, or wanted to after 14 surgeries, you know. Yeah. Um. It, I, I started becoming a personal trainer. I really liked that because I loved helping people, you know. And then I ended up uh opening my own gym, had my own um employees, and it went Body Slam it
0: Training Institute.
1: It was called Body Slam, yeah. yeah. And yeah. uh so I enjoyed that for a few years, but then I started speaking at schools and
0: Oh, how did that happen though? I mean, would somebody just say, Hey, you know what? I bet your story would be, would really yeah. resonate with kids no, or how did that- Great question. There's two
1: types of people. There's people who say something needs to be done. And then there's a person who says, I want to go out there and do something. And yeah. I think through, through so many years of my life, I'd always say, why don't they do this about that or do this about this, you know? And, and I have a story. I have something to share with people that I could think could really help people, you know? And I went to schools. I started speaking and it slowly took off. You know, there were some bumps in the road, like, you yeah. know, how do you connect with middle or high school or college? God,
0: yeah, no kidding.
1: You know, they're the <laughs> worst audience, man. You walk yeah. out, they're, they're talking <laughs> to each other, they're rude. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're laughing at the sneakers you're wearing or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, then, I don't know, something amazing happened. I um, I remember, like, when I first started, it was like the old – Here's your brain, here's your brain on drugs. Don't do drugs, drugs can kill you, you know. And
0: kids rolling would, their eyes.
1: Yeah. And and as remember um my my wife, Darlene, and I she she went to one of my presentation after the presentation. We, we had this long talk. She says, How can you not sharing your story? And it was like a light bulb went off. It was like, oh my gosh. So we went up and found like in a closet of all old videotapes and pictures of our family that passed on and really cool stuff, you know? And I started putting together this multimedia presentation. And next thing I know, I want to go into schools. all of a sudden you're getting all these letters from kids on how it changed their life. It saved their life. Parents are calling me office and saying, my kid came home and told me they love me. What did you say to them? You know, <laughs> and it was like one thing after another. And all of a sudden the video goes viral and millions and millions of people are seeing this video. And the phone starts ringing off the hook. We had like 3,000 booking requests the first month of video. And now I'm going all over the country, all over the world. And and it just took off, Sean. I, I, I could have been more like, wow, God really had a plan here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, how the whole thing changed. And now, like I said, I'm in my 12th year presenting at schools and churches and corporations.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to ask that when did it become this organized, you know, uh, champion of choices uh, here? You start out. Yeah. People. Uh, can you come talk at the school? It works. And when did you say we need to organize this?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, it was, it was shortly. It, it, it happened pretty quick. And really? uh, I got a great staff. I got a staff that's so passionate. They're, I mean, they're just like me. They love the kids. They love helping kids. They go out of their way. They work seven days a week, the, the, like when you call or text or they answer. And uh, um, but then we we hooked up. You know, when I first started, I really thought that the only way you're going to uh, captivate students is with entertainment. You know, that's what that's mm-hmm. what I thought at the time. So I went and got this amazing um uh, dance team. Uh, we we put an ad in the paper, and we do these rehearsals, and and next thing you know, we're doing Thriller at schools, and <laughs> I'm I'm wearing a Michael Jackson jacket, and I'm doing a, I learned all that stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it was really it was really funny, but um, and and then my kids, they went to uh, like they went in America's Got Talent, and they came, they went to the quarterfinals of America's Got Talent. They they're called Team Extreme.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And a couple of years ago, they went to the finals or the quarterfinals. And, I mean, they're amazing dancers, but we toured all over. But the problem with touring with that many people was the expenses were so yeah small. They have a right. lot of money for, for anti-bullying or suicide prevention messages. And it, it became very hard because we were trying to figure out how can we fly or travel with all these people and make it financially feasible, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for the first, um, this is my 12th year, so the first, I'd say, seven years I was with these kids. And uh, then I said, you know what? I'm going to try to do it without them. And mm-hmm. what happened was we seen something the most amazing thing happened. See, when you, when you tell a story and then you stop and you have somebody come out and sing, you go back to your story. And then you have someone come out and dance and you go back to your story. You're taken away from the story because it's like, okay, where were we? You know? Right. And so when I decided to do the story straight through, man, I never seen kids so captivated, the tears, the huggies, yeah. the, the emotion we had. And then they started busting schools into arenas and I'm doing eight, 10,000 people and the, the tears, at the top of the arenas and kids crying. And it was just
0: incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really is. It's, it's amazing. Um, when you're doing these and, and you were always great at cutting promos, but who knew this would be your greatest promo of all? Uh, well, I, I appreciate you saying that, Sean. I never <laughs>
1: thought I was very good at promos. No,
0: but really, I know it's one of
1: my weaker things. But yeah, you know some. I it's funny when you say that. Is that I only wish I could go back to wrestling now at the way I can talk in front of people in front of no matter how big the audience is, you know?
0: but but it's amazing, and I I, I, I mentioned before when we started talking. How, uh, you know, you can look back and, and think of all the training that you had for this, uh, being able to be on the road, being able to do all these different shows, and then, you know, uh, doing this presentation and being as passionate about it. And and uh, no question that your message is heartfelt, but when you do it over and over and over again, and I, the video I watched, I have to imagine this had, I don't know how many times you'd already uh, delivered this message but how do you do that? How do you, uh, every time when you go out there, because, you know, these audiences have never seen you before. It's kind of like these wrestling matches. You know, you'd go and do these matches. How do you keep it that passionate every time? Because you watch this and folks, I'm going to give you, you know, how you can get in touch with it, Cut uh, in touch with uh, the website here and see these videos. They're just amazing. How do you do it?
1: Sean, that is a great question. And I'll, and I'll tell you exactly how I do it. Um, First of all, it's not a presentation you can just call in. You just can't get up on stage and say, yeah, I lost my mom, my dad, unfortunately. Yep. You have to. I actually relive those moments. I relive me walking up to my mother's casket and seeing it for the first time. And it brings out an emotion in me that transcends into the audience. And, and people feel like they're as if they're there or they think about how it would be to lose their own mom or dad or brother or sister or, or, or father or whatever it would be, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just worked. And, and, and like I said, every presentation, whether I'm doing one a day or five in a day, I call, I, I go to every one and go deep as I possibly can to where I, and and, I, and there's many times I end up crying because I see so many audience members crying oh,
0: man, yeah,
1: I about what they must be going through in their own personal life to be this affected by my presentation.
0: Yeah. And you watch, you, you watch the video and uh, like I told you, I'm watching it. I'm, I might. My- I've got tears in my eyes because I'm watching the reaction of these kids and and I know who they are. I mean, I had teenagers too, where, you know, they, they're, they at least try and put that, that front up that they're not emotional. They could care less and how, uh, they have no choice. And it's not, it wasn't, it's not just, you you know, females in the audience, these young men, uh, are, are the same, same thing because, and I want to get into this a little bit more with you, Mark, because you're around them a lot more than, uh, than I am these days as far as that, that age of, of children, that uh, we've really reached a crisis and and, it, and the mental illness and, which is affecting our country, and we've never really directly paid attention to it. But now with these young kids, and I think back when I was in high school, uh, we never had this, things like this happen. There were accidents that happened to kids, but you weren't worrying about A teen suicide, and a kid would say, "I'm going to kill myself." You'd be like, "Yeah, sure." Not now. You have got to listen to that that message.
1: It's a different world today. You know, I got to tell you, we we get so many letters from from students, and and you know, when we were some, we were in in school, you kind of knew who the school bully was. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. stayed away from that guy or girl, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, the bullying stopped. And today. If a kid is being bullied or harassed, it can be twenty four seven because of our social media yeah, and, yeah. And, and our smartphone. I mean, our smartphone it has outsmarted us. It's, <laughs> it's amazing how addicting this little this little apparatus has become. That we carry it everywhere we go. As soon as you know, we always want to find out how many likes, what are people saying, what do people think about me? Um, and it's just it just becomes so addicting with these kids. Mm-hmm but you know the other side of it is is the self-harm you know sean when when i I was in school not only did i I didn't even know anybody on medication more or less self-harming or wanting to kill themselves and and i'm not saying that that there's aren't there aren't kids that need medication but you know if if a parent is listening to this i would get a second and a third opinion before i ever put my kid on a medication it's very important um because we we don't even know the long-term effects when you put a kid that's, you know, six or seven years old on medication, and then all the way up through, you know, their 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 teens and then into adulthood, what what effect it may have on them.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I I saw also on there, there's uh, you know testimonials from some of these kids, and and I imagine a lot of them. After you talk, you make yourself available. Uh, what have you learned from because you've been all over the country talking to kids from all walks of life. Uh, what have you learned about what's going on with them today?
1: Well, you know, Sean, I really have my finger on the pulse of what is happening in 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 our country, and in the world, really. You know, and what it is, it's you know, we could talk about bullying, suicide prevention, substance abuse, all we want, but Sean, I just see such a breakdown of the family, the 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 core of the family, the breakdown. So many kids are raised by single parents or or grandparents, yeah. um, and even the parents that are home are are often into their own thing. Uh, so many mm-hmm. parents are even hooked on these games, you know, uh, social media. And we, we, you know, you go out to a restaurant and you see uh, a family and kids got earbuds in or on their phones. Mm-hmm. We, we, we want to talk to everybody but our own family. And, and it's so sad because we've got to start, we've we got to turn the phones off, turn the, the electronics and social media. We've got to tune into what is truly important because I promise you, when you leave this earth, you are not going to care how many followers you have, how many likes you mm-hmm. got. You're going to say, "I want to see my mom, my dad, my wife, my husband, my kids." That's what, that's what's important. But this whole life we go through, and they don't find that that's the most important thing at the time.
0: Yeah, you know, and I have a I have a nonprofit. It's called Doodads, and uh, that uh, it, it's for to help kids and it, both boys and girls um, who don't have positive male role models in their lives, or have lost their fathers, or who have been abandoned. And, uh, we also help a lot of, a lot of the, the funding that we, we bring in, you know, we, we try and help these single moms because that's where the emergencies are, uh, you know, and it's word of mouth that I hear from people that their cars broken down or whatever. and, and I, I see what we're doing and I really, uh, embrace, it. I love it. But at the same time, Mark, I look at, it and I'm like, yeah, I feel like I put band-aids on and, and I wish that there was more that, uh, we could do like programs or, or, or these programs that, that really address these issues and help these kids because there's some really great kids. We have a scholarship fund that we do and, and it's got, it's not based on GPA. We go into these schools and we talk to the administrators and the principals and the coaches and we say, we know you've got kids that you know are special. They, they are home and they've got a single parent and they are just good people and you've got to help them uh Move on, and, and we help them with that education. But I'm just thinking, God, that we we've got to have more programs that really address and get into these schools and help the kids. And I'm sure you see that every day when you're out there.
1: I do, Sean, and, and you know, and I commend you for what you do. And 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 you say a you know the old the analogy of a starfish. You huh. throw it back in, you, you save that one, you at least, right? But, you yeah. know, the darker, darker it gets, Sean, the brighter we have to shine. We, we just can't give up the fight, you know. And you're right. There there are. We do need more programs. I mean, what we're seeing, the the um, campus violence we're seeing at schools where kids are yeah. so afraid to go to school. I get the letters yeah. all the time. Kids are really scared to go to school today because yeah. there's always those kids that they feel may be one of those guys, one of those shooters. So we need to put money into having um Uh, police officers at school. It's a real deterrent. It's proven to be a deterrent when you have a police car and police officer in the school. Mm -hmm. And um, so we we need to really spend money on things. But the programs, like you said, are so important. I got to tell you, Sean, every time we go to school, there's never been a school, I don't think we've got at least 100 letters from the kids uh, through social media that kids write to us. Mm. And, And the common theme is it changed my life. But you know we're finding kids that um, you know are suicidal or self-harming that we've got help for. But I cannot tell you how many times that we've we contact the school and they'll say, "Oh well, what does it cost?" And I'll give them, I'll, I'll my my team will give them a price of what it costs to fly us there and bring us to their school. And they say, "Oh no, we we don't have we we don't have money for that. We don't have, or we don't have time to put the kids together in assembly." I'm thinking, man, you don't have you don't have time not to do this. Right. You know, <laughs> there are exactly. many Kids that are are taking their lives or feel hopeless and helpless. And at least we know we can make a difference. But, you know, most of the times that we are able to go to a school, excuse me, funded by, you know, the PTA or, or someone, a parent uh, comes up and just helps us out to to uh, bring us there. But it's so sad that we schools should have money for anti-bullying, suicide prevention, substance abuse programs at these schools.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, folks out there, um, thinkpause.org. It's thinkpoz.org. Uh, you get on there, and uh, it explains what uh, Champions of Choices is all about. And uh, is, how, what is the process, though, if, if schools or organizations want to book you to come to their school? How does it work?
1: Um, you know, all you do is like I said, like you said, go to, go to our website. There's a booking, um, there's a booking, um, form there that you could fill out, uh, for your school, or you can always call us our, our number is 407-862-4800. I got a great staff here and, uh, we, uh, we just started, you know, booking for, for next year and we are we, we, we are usually September, October fills up really quick. We, we do about 30 events a month. So it's a, it's a packed schedule. And uh, like I said, we kick it off. We we, kick, we actually kick it off this year on August 2nd. We're doing the uh, return for bus drivers where we do like uh, 800 to 1,000 bus drivers and really encourage them to be that light in a, in a dark yeah. place for these kids. Because sometimes these kids that get on a bus, the only happy face that they'll ever see is that bus driver. And that bus driver can make such an impact on their life.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, what is, uh, you know, Champion of Choices 2.0? I imagine you're always thinking, what, what is beyond this, besides you uh, going to school and speaking to these, these kids and these parents, I imagine at times, uh, is the, it, it, what is the vision for Champions of Choices? I mean, what would you like to see happen?
1: We wanted to come up with an app, and we just, we just came up with an app that we're going to be promoting uh, and, 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 and bringing out there, because we want to have a, something that kids can go instantly. The, the cell phone is instant. So we have an app for the parents and an app for the students. So if they see somebody that, uh, if, gosh forbid, has a gun or knife, uh, they can report it anonymously immediately, you know? Uh, or if they're being bullied or they would need to talk to someone about it, counseling. Uh, parents can, uh, we can use facial recognition. So if a kid opens an account with a fake name, and certain words, keywords that we, we, we found that we, we deal with these kids all the time. So we know all their keywords that they use uh, abbreviations or acronyms or whatever. And we could find out if a kid is uh, preparing to do something or talking about something. Most of the shooters that we've had have previously talked about wanting to, you know, kill kids or shoot yeah. school or something like that.
0: Wow. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more on the way. Uh once again, folks, thinkpause.org with the uh think dot org to get more information on what uh, Mark Mark is up to. And uh really what an incredible story you are, Mark, and uh showing that uh you know, success and fame isn't always the answer in life. Uh and uh you've really turned it into something that I like I know when you say it, uh you found your mission and, and that you are at peace and that you've never been happier. And I, I really, I'm so happy for you.
1: Thank you, Sean. And you know, Sean, just wanted to let you know that we are coming out to Arizona. Check out, go under the events page of our website. You'll see the schools we're doing in Arizona and hopefully they'll be near you. Cause I certainly would love to break bread with you sometime.
0: Yeah. Well, when you do get close, I'm definitely, we're definitely going to get together. I'd love oh, it. Thank you, Sean. All right, Mark Merrow uh, here on Primetime with Sean Mooney. Thank you so much. and I can't wait till our paths cross, uh, Mark.
1: Take brother. Take care, brother. and God bless everybody.
0: Uh, great conversation with Mark Merrow. How do you not like that guy? Uh, I'm serious. I mean, I do believe, though, that, that the road that that guy traveled, all the good and the bad, was all about preparing him for his real mission in life, helping teens choose a better path. Do you think he's passionate about that? Man. Uh, and and if you don't don't uh, if you aren't convinced, I mean check out his website thinkpause.org. That's thinkpoz.org. Watch a couple of those videos he's posted up there and uh, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. And I, I truly believe he's making a difference. And he really is uh, the happiest I think he's ever been in his life. He's got a you know a great family and um, he's on a mission and and you look at that you, website he's got uh, you know events coming up it's incredible he's got doing uh, I thought you know some of those were like two two dates in a day he does two a day he was saying that some he's done as many as five and they're all over the country uh, with his message and uh, really check out thinkpaws.org. I want to thank Mark Merrill for coming on I really really enjoyed. That conversation, Uh, folks, you know, for the latest on what we're up to with primetime with Sean Mooney, PTSM, check out all of our social platforms. Uh, You can go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, That has uh, it, it was blowing up. Now it's slowed down a little bit, but we keep putting up brand new material on there. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, episodes that have already been uh, up before, but um, we've been introducing, you know, new content here and there. Uh, there's a con- uh, conversation with Marty Ginetti that I had when I was back east, and uh, we'll, we'll keep posting stuff. So check out our YouTube channel and, uh, of course, our Twitter and Instagrams real easy at Mooney, And email me. You can email me uh, at primetimemooney.com. At gmail.com, primetimemooney at gmail.com. I'm not even going to tell you. Forget, you know, the t shirts. I mean, uh, it, we've made it so easy. It's mooneytees.com, but yeah, pff, you're not even going there. So, you know, uh, never mind. But there's some great t shirts there. So that's it. All right? I, I mean, I'm not even going to say it anymore. Uh, mooneytees.com. Done. Uh, we continue to prepare for StarCast. You guys are hearing a lot about this. I know there is buzz out there about this uh, indie. Uh, could be one of the greatest of all time. They sold those tickets, 10,000 seats in a half hour, less than a half hour. And then, of course, StarCast, which I think is raising the bar on events surrounding uh, these, uh, you know, these events uh, with, uh, you know, wrestling events like uh, All In. This really, this is just incredible. You know, Conrad Thompson's uh, been leading the charge on this. But, you know, of course, uh, Cody Rhodes is uh Really actively involved, and it's it's going to be so much fun. And uh, you've probably heard one of the events I'm going to be involved in is uh, a special edition of Primetime with Sean Mooney, and uh, we're calling it Behind the Themes. We got such a great reaction to that Jim Johnston episode. We got to talk to uh, Jim, and uh, Conrad con- had the idea on this, and so we contacted Jim and said, "Hey, would you be interested in doing a live show where you know we we'll get uh, people come in?" It'll be uh, you and me and we're going to sit down and it's going to be pretty much like we did with the podcast, but we are taking it way. We are blowing it up big because this is going to be a visual experience, not just a, a mind blowing audio experience. It's also going to be visually stimulating because, uh, you know, we know uh, you think about it. When you hear that theme music instantly, boom, it brings back memories. You hear The Undertaker. you. I know right now you have a vision of, of what you saw with one of the Undertaker uh, entrances and then a match as he was involved in. So we're going to recreate all that and we're going to pick Jim's brain. And I have to tell you this past week, because you know, we're doing some prep on this, we're putting the show together and I got on the phone with, with Jim for about two hours and it was kind of, in a way it was like a theme association. Uh, We went over a lot of stuff uh, prior to getting to, you know, actually talking about the music music and that was fascinating because Jim does not understand just uh you know how <laughs> how he incredible he is that he comes up with this stuff and think about it all different genres of music i mean he's done music with you know a jamaican thing he's done music with hip hop he's done music you know with these orchestral themes i mean he just does it all and he and he makes it work and uh that you know and, and just him to have these conversations it's it's just incredible we started talking about, uh, you know, The Rock and putting together that the theme for The Rock when he started to just take off and, uh, you know, what uh, how Rock was before all that happened. And then he mentions these things just offhand about Steve Austin. And uh, it was, it, it's just incredible. And that was just two hours. We just talked like two hours. I'm like, how in the world are we going to? trying to capsulize this just to talk about, I don't know, 10 themes. Plus we're going to open it up to the audience. So you get to ask them any question you want. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So look, look I even went on it. Uh, you can tell I'm excited. I'm because I just, having that conversation with him just got me all jacked about it. So if you, you have a chance to be there, uh, don't miss that. I know they're working on other ways so you can see it too. So, um, man, I, I can't wait for that. and that is just, uh, Uh, some of the stuff we're working on. But I hope that you get a chance to be a part of it. Uh, Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, Ting Mobile. Uh, All you got to do is go to primetime.ting.com, sign up, and then you're going to have the choice of either getting $25 off your first bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop um, if you already don't have a phone. So all you got to do is go to primetime.ting.com. That's Ting Mobile, the best mobile You've never heard of. Oh, but you will. And guess who we have coming on next week. I'm going to go ahead and give this out, Casey. Casey Drumbeck is our producer, and I, I'm, just, I'm going to tell everybody. Um, it's taken a while. We've been working on this guest for a long time. But OMG. And the reason I say that is because we've got one-man gang, George Gray, coming on primetime next episode. That's right. So get ready. Get prepared. It's going to be fun. That's it for Primetime with Sean Mooney. This time, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.